My guess is that you know what it's like to be overwhelmed, to have things not go how you want them to go, to be exhausted and at your wit's end. Maybe it's things at work for you or things at home or things in your health or financial things, or maybe it's all of it working together in your life to create this perfect storm of anxiety, frustration, and maybe even panic. Think about it. We have, we have nonstop schedules where we seem to book every single evening. We have lingering pains, pains of, of past relationships, pains of past losses. We have unexpected job losses. We have never-ending loneliness. And the crazy thing is, is we can have so much of this, so much of this, this crazy chaos that we experience with regularity that we start to think this is just how it's supposed to be. I'm just supposed to be overwhelmed every single second that I'm awake. But it's not what we long for, is it? No, there's, there's something inside of you that is longing for peace, desperate for things to slow down, longing for, for some rest and relaxation. It's why we go on vacations. It's why we head out to fancy dinners. It's why we binge watch Netflix so that we can just have a moment in those waking hours where we can just go, Ugh. but I think we all understand that it's not just downtime we're longing for in our soul. We're we're longing for things to be put back in order of sorts, for the marriage to be how it once was, for the family to be how it once was, for the addiction to lose its grip, for the child to come back to their senses. It's why we, we think when we see an injustice, it's why we think, man, that just isn't right. Because something inside of you is longing for things to be right, for things to be how they ought to be. In the Hebrew language, there's a word that speaks of this longing that you have in your life. It's the word shalom. Now, my guess is that you've heard that word, right? It's a greeting in the Jewish culture. Uh, in your Bible, it's simply translated peace, but it means much more than a calming conflict or a tranquil environment. Shalom is a picture of wholeness or completeness, things being as they should. Theologian Alvin Plantica, he writes this, In the Bible, shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight. A rich state of affairs in which natural needs are satisfied and natural gifts fruitfully employed. A state of affairs that inspires, inspires joyful wonder of the Creator. Think of the prayer that Jesus prays. He says, On earth as it is in heaven. It's the way things are supposed to be, right? This is what we long for. The problem is that Shalom feels absent in our world. There is no peace within. As you're listening to this, like our homes are in chaos, our world is on fire, injustice seems to be an everyday affair. And so the idea of things being as they should be, well, it's not experienced in any nook or cranny of our life. Why is that? Why is that that every single person listening right now longs for peace? While simultaneously, at the same exact time, every single person listening to this is struggling to experience it. Now, the tendency is to think that it's just your season of life. You're just busy, and you are so busy. Or maybe you think, it's just the hand I've been dealt. The reality is there's, there's something deeper going on. See, there, there's, there's a specific reason why you are struggling to experience this shalom, this peace. It's because when we look in Scripture, we see there are three forces actively trying to steal it from you. 
three things trying to steal your peace right from under your nose. Years ago, I was uh, working at our church, and in the middle of the day, I had my computer stolen out of my office. This was so frustrating because somebody had just come in the front door. No one was paying attention, and they just took my computer. It was so frustrating. But what made it so frustrating was what was on that computer. This was way before the days of the cloud. This was like, I don't know, 12 years ago, something like that. And, and on that was a video that I was preparing to make for my entire family, extended family and beyond, uh, where I interviewed my grandfather who was in World War II. I interviewed him and, and, and I was creating this, this incredible video about his war stories and his experiences overseas. But man, when, when that was stolen, that video was stolen. And I never had a chance to hear those stories again. It was stolen right out from underneath my nose. And the truth is that our shalom, it's often stolen right out from underneath our nose. There's a, a passage tucked away in the book of Ephesians that tells us exactly who and what is stealing your peace. All right, I want to read it for you. It's Ephesians 2, 1 through 4. See if you can catch the three things. It says this, And you were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit that is now in work in the sons of disobedience. Among you, among you, whom all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. In his excellent book, Dwell, I highly recommend this book by Dr. Barry Jones, he highlights how in this one passage, there are three specific reasons why your shalom, why your peace is being stolen. They're this, three things, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Every single thing in your life that is taking away your peace, that is causing you anxiety, is, is some form or fashion of these three. It's falling into these three categories, the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world is distracting you from peace. Think about it. Every single day, you are told to buy something, start something, stop something. You're told to watch something, eat something, try something, click on something. So we go through life incredibly unsettled. I need a new outfit. I need to watch another show. I need a little more money. And consequently, we are never satisfied and we're rarely calm. Like I mentioned earlier, we are quick to fill our calendars. We spend money we don't have to impress people we don't like and wonder why we're a little grumpy. See, the bright lights of power, the, the draw towards material possession, and the appeal of social status that we see on social media, it can get us to turn our life upside down. And it's not that these things are inherently bad. It's that if we don't pay attention to the vandal that is the world, we will spend our money, our resources, and our time on that which the world tells us will bring peace, but will unknowingly be feeding the chaos in our own life. We'll binge watch our Netflix show while at the same time neglect to communicate with our spouse. We'll say yes to the invite or the opportunity and neglect our body's requirement of rest. We'll spend our money on the temporary and wonder why we struggle with the eternal. 1 John 2.17 says, The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. The problem is that we are often way more passionate about the world and its desires. And this doesn't mean that you're a bad person. 
It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means that you're a prime candidate to be unsatisfied, peace-starved. 1 John 2.15 says, If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. With bright lights and shiny objects, the world will convince you to love it and abandon God. James 4 says, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. The world and all it has to offer you is a vandal of your shalom. It's a vandal of your peace. It's stealing it. It's stealing it right out from underneath your nose. Number two, our flesh is giving us a false sense of peace. Now, your Bible might say body right there, but flesh is a clearer translation. And either way, it isn't speaking of your actual skin or your actual body, but rather providing a metaphor speaking to the desires of our minds and the desires and cravings of our body. It's when we look out for number one and making sure that our desires and our cravings and our needs are met above everyone else. Church father and theologian St. Augustine, he writes of what's called the incurvature of the soul. Think of it this way, that our soul is meant to go outward to God, meant to go outward towards others. What did Jesus say in the greatest commandment? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And what's the second greatest commandment? To love others like you love yourself. Our soul is meant to go outward. This is where shalom is found. This is where peace is found. When I'm living for God and I'm living for others. But your flesh, your flesh is the desire within you to turn this inside out from that which would bring shalom and instead Focus on ourselves, neglecting the needs of our spouse so that our needs can be met, abandoning our commitments and our covenants because we want something different. And though it feels like feeding these cravings leads to peace, what we all know is is it's a false sense of peace. The desire to get your way, experience pleasure, to do what you want to do, It's the flesh's way of stealing your peace, stealing your shalom. Barry Jones, he writes this, Behind all sin is the outlook oriented towards self. Pride is an exalted view of myself. Envy is a resentment of what another has that is not mine. Wrath is a fury born from not getting things my way. Gluttony claims more than it needs for my satisfaction. Lusts exploits another for my pleasure. Greed is insatiable desire aimed for more for me. Sloth is the inordinate desire to maintain my status quo. It's all about me. And the consequence of this life is short-lived peace. Little shots of peace in the moment that we get, but they don't last. Galatians 5.18, it says this, For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to one another to keep you from doing things you don't want to do. For many of us in here, we are wondering why life feels so unsettled. Wondering why that peace that passes all understanding that maybe we've read about in scripture that we just don't get to experience it. And maybe we think, well, this is just the life we've been dealt. I don't get to experience this peace. But In many cases, the reason is simple. We're feeding our flesh, our sinful nature. 
See, sin could be described really as anything that's taking away the shalom of God. Our flesh, our sinful nature, it's, it's stealing our peace. It's a vandal of shalom right from underneath us. All right, number three, the devil is out to subtly steal your peace. When speaking to the Pharisees as they were growing in hostility towards Jesus, Jesus says this. He says in John 8, 44 and 45, pretty intense language right here. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Now, the context of this passage is incredibly important, all right? If you, if you go back to John 8, you see Jesus makes a statement. He says, the truth will set you free. Now, these religious leaders, they come back with the fact that they're children of Abraham, and they are free, right? They were misunderstanding. Jesus wasn't talking about the, the chains around their bodies that would enslave them, but rather the sin around their soul that enslaves them. They were in the bondage of sin. And what I want you to catch with this is that the lie from Satan was so close to the truth. The devil had convinced them, you are free. Yet in the midst of this, he had enslaved them to sin. See, in Ephesians 6, Paul tells us that the devil is scheming to trap you. It's the same word that we would, we would describe as someone who is crafty someone who's really working hard and resourcefully to bring about your demise. The, de- the devil will subtly convince you that your pornography use doesn't matter. It's not that big of a deal. He'll normalize your pride. He'll normalize your harsh tongue. He will subtly cause our finances to be focused on ourself. Subtle, right? It's, it's not massive. It's one little step at a time. He'll provide the right media in our life to convince you, slowly, that you should hate those that see the world a little different from you. This is what he does. It's subtle. Have you ever seen somebody in your life, you've you've heard of something they've done, and you thought, how on earth could they do that? I mean, don't they know what they did? It's like one of those big headline sins. But the reality is, they didn't jump from one place all the way to there. They took baby steps, because the devil is subtle. This time of year, we often have in our minds that the devil is the red-faced demon with the horns and the pitchfork, right? But that's a completely unbiblical view. Actually, he is attractive. He is convincing. He is subtle. And he's aiming to ruin your life through subtle, subtle lies that make evil look tolerable and even attractive. So this third one, it shows us you have an enemy. You have an enemy that will use your oversight of the subtle things in your life to slowly ruin your life and still any glimpse of peace, any glimpse of shalom that you might experience. The world, the flesh, and the devil. They are what Plantinga calls vandals of shalom. They distract us. They curve our soul towards selfishness. They subtly deceive us. And so consequently, we go through life overwhelmed, full of anxiety, and on the verge of a breakdown, wondering how this happened. So what do we do about this? What do we do about the reality that there are three forces trying to steal our peace in life? Well, quickly, I want to encourage you to get intentional in three specific ways. To combat the world's attempt to steal your peace, all right, to steal your shalom, set your mind on things above. Now, this takes great intentionality 
in the crazy, chaotic world we live in. Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. We must intentionally shift our priorities and how we spend our time and our resources. It doesn't just happen. We don't drift this way. Think of it like this. Think, think practically. A little less social media and a little more worship. A little less shopping sprees and a little more generosity. It's very practical things. And, and one practical thing we can do is get very intentional with the spiritual disciplines. See, things like scripture reading, scripture memory, fellowship, tithing, and fasting, they're not the goal in our faith, right? But they do create an environment for God to move in our life. And so if you want to to rid yourself of the distractions that come in the world we live in, you must be intentional, and the spiritual disciplines are a great way to do that. All right, to the flesh, to the incurvature of the soul. Feed the spirit, starve the flesh. Feed the spirit, starve the flesh. What you feed is what will grow. Galatians 5, 16 says, So I say, live by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your sinful nature. We must feed our relationship with the Lord. We must focus our life on on our commitment to our Savior. It's not just a matter of not doing certain sins, right? We we do want to not do certain sins. We want to starve the flesh, And so when you have a tempting situation that's happening right in front of you, think to your mind, no, 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 we're going to starve the flesh. I'm not going to look. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to say this. I'm not going to respond this way. I'm going to starve that that selfish desire within me. But at the same time, and and way more important, I'm going to live by the Spirit. I'm going to feed that. I'm going to pour into my relationship with my Heavenly Father. All right, so we feed the spirit and we starve the flesh. And the last one, to the devil, we submit to God. James 4, 7, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. It's the same principle that we've already talked about. The solution to the enemy is more of the king. Submit to him and you'll be able to resist the ways of the enemy. You literally have the world against you in your pursuit of shalom. In your pursuit of peace, you have everything against you. And without great intentionality, the cares of this world will steal it from you right from under your nose. The world will distract you with all the possessions and power it has to offer. Your flesh will cry out for quick fixes of peace that ultimately just make things worse. And your enemy will subtly, ever so subtly, convince you that God doesn't care about you and that that your sin isn't that big of a deal. But you can be equipped in this battle. You can set your mind on Christ. You can feed the spirit and starve the flesh. You can submit to God. And in so doing, you can experience peace no matter the circumstance. Your peace, your shalom, this picture of completeness and wholeness, it isn't tied to your circumstance. It's tied to Christ. He ends that passage in Ephesians with picture of hope. And I want to end our podcast today with with just reading this, uh, because if we just stop with um, verse 3, we can get really discouraged. Like, yep, we got the world against us. We have our selfish nature. We have the devil against us. But we're a people of hope because that passage keeps going. It says this, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. 
And God raised us up with Christ and seated us in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. In other words, like to put that in like a really short phrase, the world is out to get you. There is no doubt about that. But take heart, Jesus says in other places. He has overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. You can have peace in the midst of your chaos. I want to thank you for joining us for uh, another episode, a little different episode uh, today on the podcast. But I'm just so thankful uh, for your willingness to to get intentional in, in pointing your life towards a vibrant relationship with Jesus. My guess is, in some capacity, you have some chaos going on. You have some frustrations, and, and reality is you might be completely void of peace, void of shalom. Maybe it is your, your sinful nature that's taking over. Maybe it is the distractions of the world, or maybe it is the subtleties of the devil. My prayer for you today is that, that you'll get intentional. That you'll get intentional with pointing your life to Jesus, to starving the flesh and feeding the spirit. And when we do, we can have a vibrant life, a vibrant faith, no matter our circumstances. We'll see you next time.